hey, you know what to do, you're grown, you know what's right. 19, 16, I, don't, I never know exactly what those mean, but we're somewhere in that ballpark. It's one o'clock in the afternoon in Auburn, Alabama, and this place was lit. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the College Loop Podcast, the 29th episode of the College Loop Podcast. And, you know, we're your number one podcast for all things Auburn sports, women's athletics, men's athletics. We run Auburn, Alabama, because is there a better place than College Loop Podcast? I can't think of one. Can you think of one, Daniel? Augusta National Golf Club. I mean, that could be a better place physically, mentally. No, I, I live in the College Loop. Correct. And. <laughs> Boys, do we have a special episode today? We've got a full rundown. Spring football is back. Football is back. The the the, the boys got the pads on. They're they're making them pop under Coach uh, Hugh Freeze and his first spring that he's got a very impactful spring. We're gonna talk football here in a little bit. We've got a fantastic interview coming up coming your way. Don't skip ahead, or, or I guess you can skip ahead, but don't <laughs> skip through this interview with. I don't even have time to list off the accolades. Former Auburn pitcher, AL Rookie of the Year, and Baltimore Orioles legend, Greg Olson, best known for his dominance on the mound and also known for walking Barry Bonds. And yes, he does talk about that, walking Barry Bonds with the bases loaded, rather. He does talk about that in the interview. Guys, lots to look forward to. Let's get this show on the road. Dylan, football season is not here, but spring football season's here. Oh, every day is football season if you love it enough. <laughs> XFL's back. USL's coming back soon. And, I mean, also, y'all two are back after y'all's weekend escapades. Uh, one of y'all in Lexington, Kentucky, covering the that game that y'all were lucky enough not to, have to talk about on the, <laughs> on the last show. And, I mean, sorry, Daniel. I'm sorry you had to actually witness that in person. Hey, it, it was hurt, a good experience. It hurt just as much watching on TV, probably. So... <laughs> Hey, I, I played it smart. I skied. I didn't even watch. Now, I did come home at, like the sicko that I am, and I watched the condensed game. And, um, yeah, that happened. So. I don't know Auburn highlights in that condensed version. But, but spring football's here. But football is back, baby. April 8th, getting ready for that. A-day. But ahead of time, we got to start when it, start talking about some position battles. We'll start doing that on the next episode, just previewing certain positions. But – I mean, it's just it's just good to be back. Um, it is good to be back. Let's let's talk a little bit about who needs who's got to prove themselves. There's a lot of a lot of positions here, okay. um, and and I know that a lot of people are very very excited, justifiably so, uh, for the year one of the uh, the Heat Freeze tenure. I personally think there's going to be a drastic difference in terms of just the win loss um, category in in 2023 from 2022. Which I mean, the, you know, it's only up from there. You would hope, but position group wise, guys. We're going to break down position by position groups beginning on Thursday as a group. Let's talk for a second about maybe some specific guys or some specific rooms that have the most to prove this spring. And and, and was it 20, 20 practices, 25? Yes, I believe so. I don't have I think, exact number. I think it's 20 practices. And, and and they've got a lot of ground to cover in, 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 that, in that time frame. Dylan, I'll let you go ahead and open the floor. Who are you watching or what group are you watching the, at the closest this year to see how that shakes out and who improves the most? All right, so I made a list of five players that I think more definitely need to have a very good spring based on just their past performances, who they have behind them, and, I mean, all that jazz. But starting off my list, I'm going to go with edge rusher Dylan Brooks. Auburn picked up Elijah McAllister from Vanderbilt, transfer, and also picked up five-star edge rusher Keldrick Falk, who, I mean, we've all said this, he's going to probably be the first true freshman we see get those starting minutes and starting plays all and all that jazz. But Dylan Brooks is kind of falling behind in the name category. People are forgetting, forgetting that he was a high four-star recruit that we flipped from Tennessee, and he's one of the big recruits from, I think, Harson flipped him, I think. Uh, it's either that or it was like late Gus flipped him. But – I mean, he he's going to have to pick it up just so he doesn't fall behind to Keldrick Falk and Elijah McAllister, of course. And he's a talented guy, fast, strong edge rusher. And, I mean, there's only going to be one edge rusher position, or Jack, as it's now called, on the Ron Roberts defense. Sure. Uh, ton, ton to prove there. Ed, edge rusher is going to be a huge question mark this year, and I, I don't disagree. I'm not also not surprised, Daniel, that Dylan has a top five list. Color me shocked. Um <laughs> Let, at least let Dylan, uh, Daniel and I ch chime in here for a second, then we'll let you run down the rest of your list. Is that okay, yeah. Dylan? Yeah, Daniel, go ahead. Who are, you, who are you watching the closest in the spring practice? Yes, Robbie Rashford's a fine answer, by the way. We don't have to avoid the quarterback conversation. 
<laughs> so I'm going to stick close to quarterback, um, to the quarterback's left or right or behind quarterback, just depending on the formation. But I'm really interested in the running back room. Um, he should be. Ryan Batie, Demario, or Demario Austin's on newcomer, but um, Jeremiah Cobb, obviously Jark West Hunter, um, just a loaded room. And Sean Jackson. a lot of talent there. What's up? Don't forget Sean Jackson. Right. My fault. We go five deep. We go five deep here. For sure. And then all coached by arguably the best running backs coach in college football, Cadillac Williams. Um, I don't disagree. Certainly, certainly an argument to be made there, right? Absolutely. You're, you're, you're absolutely correct. So I am. And this offensive line is, I mean, the bar was on the floor the past couple of years. Sure. But this offensive line is likely going to be a top half offensive line in the SEC. The, the potential is definitely there. Sure. So last year we saw this running back room that was not nearly as deep, put up really solid numbers with an offensive line that was so far below subpar. It's not even funny. And play calling that just wasn't all that. So when you have all these horses and you have the blocking up front, and if the offensive scheming's as good as it has the potential to be, forget about it. This team will do amazing things. For I don't running backs specifically, but no, I, I I knew what you meant. I, I don't disagree. I think most specifically, I'm just going to piggyback off that for a second before I talk about my group. I'm very very curious to see how Brian Batie plugs in here. I think it's probably in a return capacity, uh, a special teams capacity, but he also kind of like has a little Sean Shivers in him. You know what I mean? In terms yeah. of in terms of build, in terms of uh, really skill set. I mean, maybe maybe not as good as uh, kind of worming his way as you as as they called worm. Uh, through through the a, a gap or the b gap but i think that there's some similarities i'm not a big fan of the sean shivers comp i like him better as ontario mccaleb type running back because sure. he's fast and and uh andrew uh stefaniak who came on and covered for y'all too he kind of came out and said that brian batiste is going to be that number two back behind jarquez wow which i don't know yeah. if i fully believe i don't necessarily agree with that i think <laughs> i think with the skill set i think he can fit in very well i kind of saw him as like a it's going to be your halfback sweep, halfback toss, and your probably wildcat if Hugh Freeze pulls out any trick plays like that. But sure. I mean, I'm, Brian Batiste is a great running back and he's an outstanding return man. Definitely something that Auburn needed help with in terms of uh, a sure set of hands in the return game as well. Um, definitely a, a good spot for Brian Batiste and also Jeremiah Cobb. Like he's too talented to not give some reps this year. So I don't know how you plug him in, how you fit him in on a redshirt freshman kind of kind of package. And save him for just four games, if you can at all. So I'll be interested to see that. I'm going to be watching this linebacking core pretty hard uh, this this spring. I think alongside 90 percent of the world. Uh, I mean, we know what Demario Tolan brings to the table. The, the, this group just the list goes on and on. But you've really not seen there, there was a lot left to be desired in in this linebacking group last year. Now, how much of that do you chalk up to coaching? Whatever you know what I mean. I mean, it, it, it kind of is what it is. There's a lot of room for depth, uh, excuse me, a lot of room for growth and a lot of room for kind of linebacker by platoon this year. And and, and I'm not entirely sure that by game one, they'll have a set rotation. Matter of fact, I feel confident, comfortable saying that I don't think they'll have a set rotation yet. It'll be a lot of playing around, fine tuning, seeing, you know, who plugs in what package the best, who can really, who's going to be that nickel guy. And, and 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 what that what that looks like. So I'm I'm going to be very interested. Specifically, I think Demario Tolan, guys, I'm super high on him. I I, I just I think that he's got a I almost sounded like Zach Zach Card for a second there a super <laughs> target. Um, but I I'm I'm really really high on him because I think the skill levels there. He just didn't get the reps in Baton Rouge last year, which is fine. You have four years of eligibility, but I, I that that should be an interesting point. Also, the DBs guys, like wow, there are so many DBs on this team. How does everyone plug in? <laughs> like that, you 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 just you got to be curious, right? Yeah. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about Nehemiah Pritchett probably later in the week and in, in the coming weeks about his decision to return and and how Dylan and I I'll go ahead and tease it. I think that that could really boost his draft stock, Daniel. I really think that this the Nehemiah Pritchett could be a a second round guy next year, second or third round guy next year. So that that'll be interesting to see how that that whole conversation um, shakes out. Let's uh, let's pivot from going talking on the turf. I know we're ready for spring football to be back. What's up? What you got? Oh, Dylan's got four more. Oh my gosh. Go ahead. 
Sorry, you can't have me talk about football and I'm going to make a list. I'm, I'm a list guy. A big list guy. But my three and four guys are talking about secondary. You can like so pivot over to secondary. My three and four guys are tied to me. I have Jalen Simpson and Keontae yep. Scott. Sure. Because they're, I don't want to say they're falling behind, but when you have Nehemiah Pritchett, DJ James coming back, those are your one, two corners. So I forget JD Rhyme, Austin Osbury are both returning. DJ and, James could be one of the best corners in the SEC this year. Exactly. Uh, you got Kyan Lee, Tyler Scott, all those like all those guys from the recruiting class. Dude, not over with. I mean, Jalen Simpson and, and Keontae Scott are two guys that are really good corners, but they don't get near the height that DJ James and Nima Pritchard are getting. And sure. of course, Austin Osbury and JD Rhyme have been sh- showed out in their play time. Sure. So if those two aren't careful, they could both fall far in this depth chart. Because I mean, and that that's a position that you have no excuse to not have fresh legs this year. Exactly, because Auburn goes seven, eight deep right now in the defensive back room, probably before you even have to start burning red shirts. So Sure. And uh, just go to my number two, Jeremiah Wright. He's a left guard, presumptive starter at left guard, and he's going to be the prob- – he's probably the only player from last year's offensive line that is going to be playing at all this season, really. Sure. I think he really needs to show that because, I mean, again, transfer portal's not over with. Avery Jones, who we all presume is going to be the starting center. He has a guy behind him and Connor Lou who could start day one. So sure. if Jeremiah Wright's not careful, Avery Jones, who's played some left guard, could kind of take that job from him if Wright's not careful. Sure. And, I mean, my number one's pretty obvious, uh, Robbie Ashford. Sure. He, he just went through this entire offseason, still going through this offseason, with is Auburn going to pick up a transfer portal quarterback? Is Auburn going to pick up a quarterback? Is Auburn going to get a veteran quarterback? Is Robbie Ashford really all that good? He's, he's went through an offseason of that. And I think this spring is going to be very important for him and his maturity, his growth, his development as a quarterback. And, I mean, I think he is the quarterback. I think he is the guy. I don't think a transfer guy is really going to change that right now, especially because I don't think he's going to have a bad spring. I, I think Robbie Ashford is probably I, – I see his ceiling is closer to him than his floor is. I, I don't disagree, Don. And, and, and the quarterback conversation, Daniel, it's not going anywhere. Um, it's, yeah. it, it's here to stay through the whole spring until that second transfer portal window closes. And now, then, now permission to move to college basketball, Dylan? Uh, yes, yes, okay, per- permission granted. Excellent. <laughs> Let's talk a little, little hoops, a little, little bit of hardwood. And, and we, we kind of hinted at it earlier. Auburn is in some trouble right now. Uh, they've got a very, very tough final two games, a full-strength Alabama team uh, that everyone will be playing, read between the lines as you will, and a Tennessee team that got into a rock fight with Auburn in Knoxville, and, I mean, that could be a, very well be a rock fight again on Saturday. This is not an easy sled, and I think you have to win one of these games. Oh, yes. If you have to win one to basically, I put in quotes, clinch that's quotes clinch a spot in march madness and i mean you're going at tuscaloosa i don't know if that's even feasible yeah it's not winnable i mean auburn lost alabama and neville which should be auburn's like bread and butter easy wins and i hate that we said bread and butter at the same time with that even being in the rundown good lord but yeah i mean looking ahead you you just gotta hope auburn gets gets right before Tennessee because I'm just going to preview this game in a second, but I mean, Auburn hung real close with Alabama, but in the last, I want to say the last five minutes of that, of that Bama game, everything just fell apart. And I mean, Kentucky was not a, not a bright spot at all. No. And and this team's in, 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 in some deep crap right now. Don't uh, Daniel, I'm interested to get your, get your take here. As we look forward to Auburn, uh, Auburn taking on Alabama this week where can Auburn keep it close and 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 for those of you at home that are already PO'd with me about that my my tone about kind of chalking this one before you start it go ahead and plug your ears skip ahead to 15 seconds till Daniel starts talking because I'm sure as hell not going to sunshine pump right now how does Auburn either keep I guess win this thing more importantly, keep this close so it's at least a respectable loss on the RPI and, and a quad one loss. Right. So, you know, I'm not – you know me. I'm not afraid of the shameless plug. I will be on site for this one. Um, I haven't seen a road win this year or a neutral site win. So, I mean, why, why stop now, right? 
Um, follow me on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke for updates for when <laughs> watch the game. Anyway, just as always, it's all about trying to stop Brandon Miller. Um, 41 against South Carolina. I forget what his exact numbers were against Arkansas, but they weren't bad. Um, here we go. You guys know me and my glimmers of hopes for seemingly uh, winning win- non-winnable games here. Alabama struggled a little bit lately. Brandon Miller um, at 24 at Arkansas, by the way, or against Arkansas. Um, they've lost to Tennessee not that long ago. Um, real close win, overtime win over South Carolina and Columbia. Auburn blew South Carolina out in Columbia. Do that. Do with that what you will. Um, Auburn blew Arkansas out at home. Um, came down to the wire, Alabama and Arkansas and Tuscaloosa. So this Alabama team, contrary to popular belief, is beatable. Um, okay. They have weaknesses. They do. The big factor is, are Auburn's weaknesses going to hold together a little stronger than Alabama's weaknesses? And sure. like I said, I'll circle back to this. you got to find a way to stop Brandon Miller. Um, you can't afford a 40-point night at all. Uh, I think if you can hold Brandon Miller under 25, your odds are good, though. I, I don't disagree. I was about to say, it's one of those guys that you can't stop him. You just got to limit him. And uh, he's going to make an NBA team extremely happy because the, the kid can flat out play basketball and uh, he can do it at all three levels. He can shoot the ball well. He can get he can get the ball inside. Uh, he's hard to, hard to guard. Good. He can put the ball on the floor. Be interested to see who steps up in this one. You would think it's got to be either Janai or Jalen Williams in terms of guarding uh, guarding that third level. When when Brandon Miller gets to the rim and and really getting him at the perimeter, but he can also blow past you um, with with either hand, so it really doesn't matter. Interested to see how Auburn can at least try to keep this one close. Bruce and the boys, I personally think that unless you win a couple in the uh, in the SEC tournament and try to build some momentum, I think that this could be a, an early exit. Uh, in March Madness, I think that's entirely plausible. Then again, that 2019 team, I think, would probably still go toe to toe with this team right now. So who's to really say? I'm going to start a little movement. I, I think we should be done comparing Auburn, any Auburn team to the 2019 team. Because when I watched the 2019 team, I was like, oh, well, if they get hot, they could just shoot their, shoot the three out of this game. Yeah, this Auburn team can't. This Auburn team can't do that. And sure. we talk about, and Daniel, I, I'm uh, sorry to bring up your, to talk about your point, but Brandon Miller scored 13 against Auburn last time we played. Yeah, but that right. game was significantly closer than the scoreboard shows. It was, but. And that game was winnable. It was winnable. Every Auburn game, every game Auburn's played this this season, except for maybe Kentucky, has been winnable at some point. Auburn just lacks the scoring at points. They lack the defense. And I mean, watch Kentucky. They had four assists. Sometimes they lack the playmaking to make those winnable games winnable. And I mean, I sat there and watched all that Kentucky game, and I. Pained me to even watch, to even choose to watch the first half because I was ready to chalk it after they went up by ten. Because I've watched Auburn team play. I mean, we were we were here a couple weeks ago after the Missouri game, saying, "Oh, maybe Auburn's got it right. Auburn's back on pace." And then we watched the Vanderbilt game. Then we watched the Ole Miss game, where yeah, they won, but by won pretty by what four points against the worst team in the SEC, who just fired their coach the day after. RIP Kermit. So. I think Auburn fans, I know it's like, oh, well, the Auburn team got hot at the right time. Yeah, the Auburn team got hot at the right time. This Auburn team is not going to get hot anytime soon if they're going to keep playing like this. Sure. And they have a the probably the hardest stretch of any team in the last two games of the season. And I looked at an early uh, prediction for the SC tournament bracket. Uh, they have Auburn playing Mississippi State and then uh, for the bye, after the bye and then immediately playing A&M. And, I mean – we all know Auburn's infatuation with losing to Texas A&M and Buzz all the time. I, I don't even call them about it. Exactly. <laughs> so go read that. The Buzz saw. I, I just I think Auburn fans, if if you notice, just it's like I compare the 2019 team. Look at the 2019 team as Cam Newton. Quit <laughs> comparing recruits to Cam Newton. Like don't re- compare this team to the 2019 team. That team had something completely different going on than this team does. Yeah, I got really bad news for you. I'm going to continue to do that. But you can keep telling me not to. Anyways, uh, (laughs) 
let's 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 keep moving forward with some other news on the hardwood uh, hardwood women's basketball rounded out their season winning regular season in year two yeah that's a round of applause uh for coach jay and company 78 76 w over vandy doesn't matter what the scoreboard is as long as it's a w doesn't matter how ugly it got who cares <laughs> doesn't matter about how hard auburn tried to blow that lead at the end of the game who cares I know we're going to grade Johnny Harris' second season here in a second, Dylan. I know we, we've got that on, on the books. Honestly, Scott Grayson got her winning season at Auburn. That's pretty damn cool. That's pretty damn cool. And 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 if anybody anybody on that team earned it, it was honesty. First time in four years. Four years. The, 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 her first time with real significant importance on this team. You finish over 500. You win multiple games in the SEC. One of winning what? Five games in the SEC? Uh, I do believe yep. so. Yes. Five and 11? Yeah. I know that I'm talking right now like this team's winning a championship, and that's not at all what happened. You're not playing on day one in the SEC tournament. That's a step in the right direction. Yeah. I don't necessarily think you're guaranteed to lose. No. In the SEC tournament. I think you can win a game in the SEC tournament. Sure. Guys, I'm, I'll go ahead and kick this off. Johnny Harris is getting an A or an A minus for me, but A plus is I'm, it's hard for me to give out. A or an A minus in year two. She's she's the answer. Yeah, right? Daniel, I'll go follow, ahead and break it down. Sure, I'll follow that up. Um, with I'm gonna give an A. Um, if you look at all the injuries, the illness, everything that happened, and that this team had to overcome, if they just have a normal year on that front. I usually think you add three or four SEC wins to the win column, especially yeah. early. Um, I, I think, think two is a conservative number. And lose and all that sort of thing. Sure. Um, and then at that point, you add three or four more wins to this win-loss column, you're looking at the tournament. You really are. They, they were right there despite everything. They were right there despite everything that happened. You take away everything that did happen, there's a really good chance that you get to go to – women's march madness and i really don't think that's a stretch so i'm to sum it up i give it an a i don't disagree dylan yeah i'm gonna round it out give her an a i mean yeah you got through all the injuries played a lot of tough games i mean you got a tough draw because you got south carolina twice so that's a little unfair you also had to play you only lost by uh 15 points to the number six team in the country early on in the season indiana i mean and indiana is like what they were two a couple days Let's ago. Let's not forget that that Iowa. game was super close for a long time. Oh, yeah. And I, uh, Indiana just played the number six team in the country. I mean, they're, they're the number two team in the country as of two days ago. So great season, great building block. And I mean, you look ahead, they got to play Georgia and that's the tournament. I mean, Georgia, they played Georgia, I think, pretty close. I know they, they lost did. one game to 11, but I think there was, was it, they played them twice. No, they did not. They did once lost by 11 in Athens. Yeah, but it was close for most of the game. Majority of the game. And you put it on a neutral site, who knows? Exactly. And it's a great season overall. Recruiting class coming in is looking good. And get some of these freshmen a little bit more time to develop. Don't know what happens. Let's get weird for a second here, and let's talk a little 23-24 women's basketball. Daniel, is this a, am I delusional, or is this a tournament team next year? I think so. Um, this recruiting class, as in the class of 2022, is a top 20 class, correct? Correct. Um, so we'll have another year to mature. Um, players like Caitlin Duhon, um, Sydney Shaw, Sydney Shaw, of course. Um, hopefully get some more minutes there. Um, then I believe we have another top 20 coming. Um, God, can't talk. Another top 20 class coming in, right? Or yes. five? Yeah. Top so, 25. Top 25. So. When Johnny Harris took over, this was not an SEC roster at all. It was like, a train wreck. Andy Hughes starting, for God's sakes. I mean, no no hate to Andy Hughes at all. Just that it's not really what you're looking for in an SEC starter. Sure. Now, you instead of having about a quarter of an SEC roster last year, this year they had about half. Next sure. year, they'll have about three quarters. The following year, this train stays on the tracks, which I think it will. You have a full SEC roster. I think they have what it takes to be a tournament team next year. Sure. Following year, spring of 2025, Greenville, South Carolina, buy your tickets now. I like it. 
I, I, I don't disagree. It's it, the, the direction that this is heading. Dylan, you're welcome to chime in. I think that uh, this the, keep the train rolling. The winning season is just so big, man. I mean, like I can't even begin to in, in, in capture it correctly and, and do it justice and how how damn bad this program needed to win and, and, at whatever cost and, and, and their ability to overcome so much adversity this year. Remarkable. They earned this first round buy in the SEC tournament. That that was not given to them. They had to work their ass off. Yeah. Yeah, they got put into a must-win position about like, like during the game against Vanderbilt because Florida beat Missouri. And if Auburn didn't win that game against Vanderbilt, they would have been the twelfth seed, I think. Yep. And it would have been a tougher stretch. And I think a good thing looking into the next season is the fact that Aisha Kulabali is a junior. Yeah, she'll be a yeah. senior next year and has an extra year of eligibility because of COVID exactly. last last class, right? Yeah. yeah. But you get one more year of your best player. You get those freshman development. You get this next upcoming class in. I mean, Auburn's looking pretty dang good. Or not South Carolina good, but looking pretty dang good. And Romy Levy's going to actually be healthy next year. Yeah. So lots of, lots of good stuff going on over on the hardwood. Let's go over to Diamond Sports, guys. Spring is here. It's warm. My allergies are murder murdering me right now i walked out my i got my car washed this morning and then it was like covered in pollen by this afternoon it's like that's awesome love it love <laughs> the south peace love and making let's start softball and then we'll talk baseball and that'll be a nice little pivot over to greg olson who who talks a good bit about auburn ball this year auburn just didn't give up a run this weekend at all and uh i, I told 41 by the way <laughs> and, and dropped 41 runs and I'm going to go and rename it the S the Brie Ellis SEC player of the week instead of SEC player of the week, Brie Ellis. It's, it's going to be named after her because she is her. It's that simple. And then and friend of the program, obviously, but I would say this anyways, it really doesn't matter. I mean, four home runs, seven runs, 10 hits, 11 RBIs and six games. It's just, it's nutty. It's, it's stupid. Like, why is it not harder for you? <laughs> She's just playing on easy mode out there, man. It, it's just not fair. I mean, she I mean she also killed uh, her own edition of Love Shack, which <laughs> for the uh, the I think it's like the maskless or the mask singer or something like that they do for everyone yep. now. The face mask singer. The face mask singer, and that was fun. Uh, also got a nice little sneak peek at the Ellis family vacation where <laughs> the Brie, her parents, both were singing Love Shack at a bar doing karaoke. So that that whole family, that this team, it's just so fun to watch. And Auburn leads the SEC in batting average, slugging percentage, run scored, hits, home runs, earned run average, and batter struck out. It's like the Tigers are playing on rookie mode. I know the talent, the 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 talent they're playing against right now is not where it's going to be, but you're beating up on teams at, a, at these lower level teams in the fashion you should be beating up on these lower level teams. Uh, it may be even exceeding expectations, to be completely frank with you. And, uh, guys, this team's hosting a regional. Like, <laughs> and you can't really ignore the 15-1 record. I mean, you, 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 it speaks for itself. I mean, there does come a point. It's like, okay, Diggy V said it best. Just win. Just win. We've seen Notre Dame football teams getting the national championship for playing worse teams than what Auburn softball is playing right now. So. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Auburn baseball. And, and Greg's going to, going to talk about this here in a minute about, about their little draw on Sunday. I hate getaway games. I hate them. I understand that you have to travel. I still hate it. There should always be a winner and a loser in my mind. Flip a coin. I don't know. Do something else. I don't know. Leave it up to chance if at that point. I don't know. Auburn got out of this weekend 2-0-1 against USC and probably should have lost on Sunday. And 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 then that's okay. Probably plays to Auburn's benefit that you draw. <laughs> yeah, it did. Ike Irish, like that's all. That's just, I mean, that's the tweet, right? Ike Irish is just on another level. He's playing on, you know, when you played like Super Mario Baseball on rookie mode hmm. and you had the power-ups and Bowser could hit like miss, literal missiles over the fence. Um, not quite Ike Irish in terms of missiles over the fence, but the dude just hits baseballs. He's hitting 586. He's got, what, what is it? 17 hits on 29 ABs. Eight runs. I I don't know what else you need from me. Four dublays, four drawn four walks, stole a bag. Uh, I mean, one for one on stolen bases. Only struck out once. The kid is a freshman, a true freshman. 
Uh, Ike Irish is oh, he's so good at the sport of baseball. I, I mean, also can't ignore. I know he won Freshman of the Week as well. You can't ignore some of these other dogs on the team as well. Justin Kirby has five home runs, and dogs. we're only two weekends into the season. And Bryson Ware's got three. Bryson Ware is looking like a top-notch player. And, oh, this team is looking fun. But my one gripe with this team, I know it's early. But to start off the season, uh, you win games one and two and game three, just a steep decline. Uh, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a decline at first for USC. You got started off eight and four, and then you got a, then it got to eight and eight, and then it got to twelve and eight, and then it got to twelve to twelve, and then USC had to leave for a flight, so it tied. I, I, it's early. I know it's early, and for me to be complaining about that, but it's just something you to keep an eye on later on down the line of the season. Daniel, in case you couldn't tell, this is Dylan's second full season being a real baseball fan, um, <laughs> like a diehard baseball fan. And um, he's now learning what Sunday games are like in college ball when you're trying to plug in things that don't necessarily work. Yeah. <laughs> so lots of exciting stuff about Auburn baseball. Um, the vibes are, are great around the program. They're, this this team's talented. I'm very excited to see where they go. I, uh, honestly, they should be thanking the, the baseball ranking gods that they got underrated because it feels like Auburn just, just thrives in that scenario at all times. No one talks Auburn baseball better than Greg Olson. So let's let's take a second here and we're gonna hit our little stoppy stop and hit our little do our little dancey dance and hand it over to Greg Olson here on the college loop. Let's hand it over to ourselves, Dylan. Do you want to make a podcast? Well, Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money as well. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and literally everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it is totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, it's been so easy to get the show out to y'all. And I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to Spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Yes, now it is my privilege to bring onto the show and welcome to the College Loop, Auburn pitching legend, 1998, or 89, excuse me, AL Rookie of the Year, member of the Baltimore Orioles Ring of Honor, ESPN College Baseball Analyst. This list keeps going on. One of the best professors I ever had and a member of the College Baseball Hall of Fame, Greg Olson. Welcome into the show, Greg. Thank you, Harrison. I appreciate that. That's a nice compliment. <clears throat> hey, I, I, I do what I can. That's, a, that's the nicest you're going to get from me all, all evening. So as, as long as all you're right. okay. All good with that. <laughs> And that was that's why I enjoyed having your class. You could you can dish and you can and you can take it. You take you wear it like a champ. No, so. that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we uh, we wanted to talk a little Auburn ball coming off of a College World Series, and you got a kid on the team again. Uh, this is familiar familiar territory with you, so we're definitely going to circle back there. But kind of starting with where Auburn's at and and and, this, and the state of the program and everything that Butch is going on. Auburn feels like they're picking up where they left off from uh, in twenty two, right back here in twenty three uh, with. A very nice uh, couple series, a really weird tie. I hate that rule, um, and or the 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 ability to agree on a rule, but whatever. It's better than a, than a home loss, I presume. Where where's your head at in terms of uh, the the potential of this team this year um, for for Auburn baseball? Uh, well, I mean, you you got to understand the tie. USC scrambled around, got flights. They need to be back, and their flight was at. So I, I played with the head coach Andy Stankowitz. And so we talked, you know, a couple times this weekend, and then they had an eight o'clock flight. And so, you know, by the time I looked at it, they they were getting on the bus to get changed and go jump in the shower at the Coliseum. I assume at at four thirty, so they were going to be pushing it. And I was trying to figure out how they were going to get it done. So that was why the tie. I get it. We got lucky. It was a tie. Uh, the runner missing home plate, which is, um, I actually felt bad for the kid to be honest with you. You know, I mean. There's no play at home plate, and he was looking at the next person to high five and just flat missed it. So, you know, we got we did get lucky walking out of there with a tie. Um, I think offensively, I think they're in a lot better spot. They don't have um, they don't have Deshera that's going to be clogged in the middle and creating you know aspects. But I don't think you know last year we didn't have 
we didn't have a guy batting behind to share. We didn't have a four and five guy. And, um, you know, we were searching for some offensive pieces. So um, I think we're a lot better offensively. I I wouldn't disagree. Uh, and that's just one through nine. I think one through nine is a lot better. Uh, let's see, pitching staff is completely up in the air. You know, everybody everybody's excited that we beat Indiana two out of three, and and uh, just being brutally honest, and then you know, two two zero and one against USC. Uh, we both teams weren't very good last year. USC was graphically bad and Indiana was 27 and 32 I believe because I did their games and um, had a seven a staff ERA of seven their best returning starter had a 5.4 so that's in the big 10 you know <laughs> you, we won't we won't have answers till we get two or three weeks into the SEC but gotcha. good good start you excited about this uh, this young group of you know, of arms that Auburn's got coming out of the pen? Um, I think this is gonna that's gonna be a process, but yeah, I, I think they've done a nice job of uh, piggybacking some guys, and uh, you know, you know, I, I don't know what's going on with Gonzalez; he missed his start. Uh, Alsup has been good. You know, we need a we need a Sunday guy. Um. And the bullpen's just, you know, transitional right now. I mean, they got a nice, nice look on Friday night with Bauman and uh, Canton. Armstrong's kind of bouncing around a little bit, which is good. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, we got pieces that need to be put in place. So you wouldn't expect them to have everything in place by right now. Sure. That closing job is John Armstrong's to lose, right? I was actually thinking Canton. I think Armstrong's going to be more of a um, setup guy. Uh, six, seven, eight, you know, ranging in there. Uh, probably, I would think it, I, I think he would be able to bounce bounce back better than anybody else. I mean, I, I was I was impressed with Canton bouncing back on Friday, Saturday. So, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Armstrong's not a traditional closer look, so. Um, I don't know if they'd just be willing to to throw it at him. I mean, he definitely has uh, earned a shot at it. I would think. You know, I mean, he's got great stuff. Uh, if if you're baseball smart enough to overlook eighty six, eighty seven mile an hour fastball, that's that's all up in the air and, and depends on matchups. A lot, a lot of it that's that comes into play. Dylan, yeah, not- I don't think he, I don't think he matches up great against lefties. I mean, he he can either. he can he will. The traditional book is sidearm guys give righties fits and struggle with lefties because they see it better. So, sure. Again, the book. <clears throat> sure, Dylan. I'm I'm going I'm to let you talk talk to Greg for a second. I know we have this on our on our little rundown about a a certain young arm that's uh, that's hanging out in that 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 Auburn bullpen right now. Oh, about uh, so. What does it mean to have you know? Ryan, your son right now, being a pitcher at Auburn, how does it feel just knowing that your bloodline runs deep into the Auburn Tigers baseball team? No, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, my oldest was here for three years and and uh, would have liked to, you know, seen him get out there a little bit more, but it is what it is. And he walked out of Auburn with a mechanical engineering degree and moved right into uh, Huntsville. So he's all good. The youngest one is um, he's a competitor and just, Came out of high school and started mechanically getting a little bit flawed and then got a bone spur right before August camp opened up. So missed a month and uh, was really mechanically unsound through fall ball. So basically just got got beat around. And uh, I think we got him squared up, but had uh, had a rough first outing last Sunday. So hopefully he'll get back out there, I guess, Wednesday against Florida, Florida A&M, hopefully get, you know, get back out there for an inning, get his feet wet and get moving forward. What, uh, what elements of his game, whether it be mentality or, or mechanically, does, does he, did he, do you think he picked up from you? Uh, he got uh, my ability to fix things really quickly. And with that goes the ability to pick up bad habits really quickly. <laughs> sure. So 
if you're not constantly, you know, I mean, and he's 19 years old, so you're not constantly maintaining where you're at. And I didn't figure that out until I was probably 26. So no, uh, no real harm. I, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll watch that when I see the film that he sends me. And uh, he is, um, he's a competitor. He's mean. <laughs> he, uh, he's not afraid of any moment. So I'll, I'll, I'll take those. And then, you know, we're still working on, still working on a breaking ball right now but uh we'll be competitive in the sec yeah if he, if he picks up a, a, a disgusting breaking ball we know where that one came from that one's genetic so we've been we've been working on it we've been working <laughs> on it. he's just uh he's, he's trying to throw it too hard and not not doing the adjustments oh here comes wonder dog <laughs> <laughs> little do- another dog appearance on the college loop dylan we love to see it <laughs> yes. yes yes perfect there okay. he is Honestly, Greg, you just leave the camera there. We're good. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, he, uh, yeah. I got, the, I had the door partially shut and he just slamming through it. And it, it's his house, not yours. Yeah. Oh, it is. As, as long as you know. Okay. Question. You've had two kids play for Butch. What, what is your relationship like, um, with, with, with Butch and, 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 and obviously the recent success he's had, um, in, in his tenure since he's been at Auburn? Um, what, what is y'all's relationship like? Um, I think we're more friends. I uh, I don't know. That's it's a, that's kind of a harder question because you know I, I was we, I was in the conversation when he gave when Hudson got the pitching coach job. Um, so obviously didn't get that, and I I just think we're more friends. I don't think we 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 don't spend you know I'm not on his his call list to to discuss baseball. We talk when I see him. You know, I, I mean, everything's good. Love him, love his family. I think he's been great for Auburn baseball. Just, you know, I, I don't, I'm not, uh, I'm not on the call list. He's got enough good people roaming around his office. Sure. With uh, Gabe Gross and Sean Rock and Hudson last year and, and Nana Maker. So um, that would be about the extent of it, trying to be a father that stays away from the program. <clears throat> That's got to be a weird balance for you, though. Uh, at least the first go round had to have been had to have been a weird one because it's it, it's this is also your program and your and your kids program at the same time and uh, a place that you all I would I guess I'll go off on a limit assume a place you all are very proud to have been come through and 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 love. It's must have been a weird kind of crossover event in your life. Well, I mean, it was great when I was uh, the undergrad, and you know, my son had just left, so I came back and I was finishing my degree right before I taught you guys and. Um, was out there every day and helping and and uh really enjoyed my time as a coach and so i i was comfortable for a couple of years because it was it was all the same guys that i worked with in the bullpens mason barnett and, and burke halter and all those guys that i spent you know hours with here comes dog again um and now that they're all gone you know i mean mason barnett just came back and and threw a couple of bullpens before spring training. And it was, I was, I told him, I was like, you, you know, call Butch and tell him that you need, you know, I want to throw a bullpen, you need a catcher and, and tell him that you want me to come and help. He said, because I'm not going to just show up. And sure. uh, so it's just kind of one of those where I know my space and it's not my team and, and it's my son's team. So I don't want to uh, walk around, but I'm doing enough games on TV and radio that, I'm going to be walking around on the field during batting practice and it's, it's comfortable for me. I just don't walk around during practice. That's I, I get it. I, I completely understand. <laughs> Speaking of broadcasting, Dylan's got a pretty good broadcasting question for you. Uh, I think that he wanted to, he wanted to nitpick. This is taking it back to spring of 2022, if you will. All right. What do you got? So, Dylan? Looking back at your career and broadcast career, what has been the greatest moment in your broadcast broadcasting career? <laughs> Like it could have been a moment, just a game in general, a call. You know what? Uh, it was pretty cool. Last last uh, October, I got I got the notice that uh, ESPN was going to hire me for the playoffs, the playoffs uh, opening playoff series with Toronto and Seattle, and I was on the call with Dan Schulman for for sadly two games. I was hoping for three. Um, so that would probably have been my best moment 
and then you know doing what I told you guys to do when we were in class is get feedback and and so I sent it to the, the head ESPN guy that hired me and and right away he came back and just said you know first inning of the first game Seattle jumps on the Toronto ace and I was just sitting there going this dude better be careful because every swing Cal Raleigh was making for Seattle was right on time and the guy couldn't figure out his breaking ball at that point. And I was, I was just like, you know, better be really careful right here. Cause these foul balls are getting closer and closer to being right on time. And then as soon as I finish on time, he hits a bombed right field to, to open up a two or three, nothing lead in the first. And the SPN head was just like, that was awesome. He goes, that's what, you know, a lot of people can't do. So really, I thought that was pretty cool. So that would be probably one of my highlights. I actually remember watching that game uh, when, when you when you called that game yep. and, and and texting Dylan and saying uh, Greg just called the she called a shot <laughs> on live it, air. It was it was pretty cool. It really was. It's so. one of those when you walk out with a little bit of extra moxie when you walk out of the box, you feel a little bit like you need to go play the lottery. Yeah, but you're with Dan Schulman, who's called you know a thousand. <laughs> you're going, yeah, I'm, I'm good. It just you know I'm not going to talk about it anymore because he's uh he's seen that and done that and. Sure. An unbelievable so it was fun to be on uh, on the call with him on his last ESPN year. Pretty neat. Daniel, I know you want to bring it back to Auburn, so I'm, I'm going to let you – I'm going to stop putting the silence on you. Greg knows I'm a talker, so I'm, I'll, I'll make sure I'm not too, too, too dominant here. Where's Daniel? <laughs> right here. Da- Daniel's down to the bottom left, or as what? I'm looking at it. So just kind of going back to the beginning, what made you choose Auburn? Um. Well, it came down to uh, Mississippi State, Arizona, and Auburn. Arizona was going through a little bit of an issue. Uh, the, Jerry Kendall's wife was going through ALS, and her health was struggling, and he was you know, kind of in and out with the team. And it just, the, the atmosphere, the dynamic in the clubhouse felt off. Uh, and I just didn't feel like it was it was a great situation. Well, I was wrong. They won the national championship freshman year, so <laughs> missed on that one. Um, didn't miss, but um, and then Mississippi State was losing Bobby Thigpen, Palmero, Clark, Brantley, and my recruiting trip to Auburn was that April at some point, I think, and we were playing Mississippi state here. Well, I, I didn't really do my due diligence and find out that Mississippi state swept Auburn over there, but I came here on my recruiting trip and it's Bo Jackson out in, in center field and um, unbelievable offensive squad. Well, they swept Mississippi state here. And I was just looking across the dugout going, well, all those guys are gone. All our guys are back and, and I can pitch, you know, I could probably pitch tomorrow if, find a uniform so that was that really made my decision obviously the campus and uh the beautiful women and and a lot of aspects but Hal Baird was a huge piece of it as well that's awesome Greg you never lacked in confidence where's that come from man I mean I'm telling you you could you could stand up in front of a million people and 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 tell them something completely wrong and I would believe you you you, I I would follow you I appreciate that well I was telling you I'm telling the truth on that one but uh (laughs) At that point, I, I mean, you know, you're in high school and you're dominating high school and you don't know the jump to SEC. Well, you know, my freshman year, if you probably would have talked to me, I got completely thumped. So <laughs> there was a whole lot of confidence roaming around me in uh, my from on my freshman year. I love it. I, I'm, I'm going to jump real quick. I know you guys are going to bring it back. Daniel wants to bring it back in a second about uh, about bringing it back to Auburn. But I, I wanted to talk to you for a second about your book, Greg. Uh, okay. About we got to play baseball. I've actually, I've got it right here. If you if you're watching the um if you're watching the YouTube version, you can get pick it up on Amazon. That was a no brainer pickup that I I read. And full disclosure, I've not finished the whole book because I bought it in the middle of a move. Um, but have jumped around. It's one of those. I feel like I can jump around story to story. It's kind. Of, it still all makes sense. Yeah. You're part of a baseball fraternity for the rest of your life. You know this and I, at all at all levels, both collegiate and and at professional at a professional level. There's got to be something about um, being able to walk into, I guess, any any not rooms not the right word, but any arena of other great athletes and know that you kind of belong there. It's, there's got to be a moment where you're like that. Yeah, this is pretty damn cool. And 
I, I'm just, you, you got to tell us other normal people how that feels. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I mean, it's cool that I can relate. I don't, I wouldn't say that I'm going to walk up to Michael Jordan and, and sit there and, and have a conversation about what he went through or, uh, <laughs> But, you know, I mean, I got to play with some of the best in the world. And, you know, Cal Ripken was a close friend of mine when we played. Um, Greg Maddox, John Smoltz, you know, our friends. And Tom Glavin, when he was here watching his son, we would catch up. And um, that, that part of it's really cool. It's, uh, I don't know, you kind of sit back and you, I, I don't I don't know if I look back on my career more going, Man, it'd been a lot of fun if I didn't get hurt, and what would have happened, and and uh, as opposed to going, you know, looking around the room, going, yeah, I, I fit in here, you know. But um, yeah, it's fun. There, there are some aspects that that are uh, really cool, and there are some aspects that are comical, and you know, you can kind of fit in and not fit in at the same time. Sure, and. And you can also dominate people on Twitter. You do it all. You do it routinely. It's you're one of my favorite follows. <laughs> Daniel, I know that you wanted to. Uh, if you wanted to bring it back to you, you were talking about the the last question we had on our list. It, it's in no particular order, so it's just kind of okay. as as uh, Dylan and I had word vomit. We projected on a screen. This is kind of where we're at. So I'm going to let Daniel go ahead and open it back up for a little more Auburn talk. Sure. So just can you walk me through what it what it was like to get your number retired by Auburn? Just kind of like how that felt, what it means to you, and just that sort of thing? Uh, well, I, I, I'll, I'll correct you for a split second. The number's not retired. Mike Bellows wearing it now. They uh, they had what they call it, uh, the wall of fame. Yeah. So that was really cool because you knew Frank Thomas was probably going to be in the Hall of Fame or, or making a real close run at it and towards the end of his career. I think it was in 08, Bo Jackson's Bo Jackson. And Hudson, I don't know, he hadn't finished his career yet, so he was still in the middle of it. Um, but you just kind of look around and you're like, wow. You know, I mean, it's one of those moments where I don't think I want a statue. Uh, <laughs> fairly sure I don't want a statue. But the, the you know the wall thing's really cool. When USC came out, a couple of the people that I had known from out there had sons on the team, and they were like, "Dude, you're on the wall." And it was like, "Yeah." So, yeah, it was exactly. a, a really cool weekend. Um, it was nice to be honored by Auburn, and uh, the way that Auburn remembers me and treats me is really uh, you know something special. There's something to that cliche about the Auburn family. I, I just, I, 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 I feel like it. There, there's, there's got to be some validity there. Well, do, I uh, mean, do you guys, do you guys disagree? Do you guys? I mean, you guys are all graduates no. of Auburn. I mean, do you disagree? You've gone through your, your, your schooling and and you know the people that you stayed in touch with or you still in touch with, and it's it's a bizarre dynamic that I don't, I, I don't expect a whole lot of schools have. There's no way they could, but yeah, Dylan and I talk about it all the time, and and Daniel is is getting to live it right now. He's a sophomore, actually. We picked up um, a, a sophomore off the side of the street, and we decided to do some charity work. But um, no, if you keep teaching sports reporting, you'll wind up teaching him here shortly. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, Dylan, Daniel, and I talk about this all the time about the the Auburn family and the validity behind that. It is it is like you said, it is weird and and, and kind of culty in some ways, uh, but also I wouldn't I would I wouldn't trade it for the world. So yeah, no. Agree. Couldn't agree more. Got a got a pro ball question for you, and right. and you talk you told us a little bit about your your, your one career hit uh, when 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 you when you were our professor, um right the the one blast was at ninety eight, yep yeah so you were one for four in your career, my one. yep I, by my math that means that if you would have gotten the average amount of MLB abs which is about one twenty nine a year you should have been a thirty two to thirty three homer kind of guy was that was that was that would that have been you. Yeah, no, I, I was thinking, you know, ten year, ten year career, probably, you know, four hundred some home runs, and yeah, yeah, that's that's the way the math equates. So, yeah. um, and then I I would have struck out by that math, uh, hundred, twelve hundred times. <laughs> that would have yeah. been one of the best like offensive careers I've ever seen. Well, I mean, it, it fits into the game right now. You yeah. Know? Joey Gallo striking out 200 times and having 30 home runs. So it's, it's really, you know, not that far off. And wow. I did I did get a walk. 
Yes, you did draw a walk. But that, that, uh, yeah, I, I, I was looking at your at your career stats earlier. I was like, I, kn- I can't remember what year he said that, that you're with the Diamondbacks, right? Yeah. When you hit that one, that's so funny. There's, you have four, like, five, I guess five ABs. One of them's a walk and one's a, one's a blast. Um, yeah. That's that's just such a great story. That Almost as good as the Barry Bond story. It's almost as good as the Barry Bond story. I mean, it's comical, and it was kind of one of those where both of those stories just kind of, um, I don't know if you can say capped off a career. But it was like, all right, you know what? This has been a fun ride. And I just throw a home run onto it. And then I got the Barry Bonds walk. So, um, and those were all, I think, uh, about a month apart. So it was, uh, the walk was next year. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a comical little stretch for a month. That's a hell of a month. That's so funny, actually. Yeah, yeah it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Dylan's got a little bit of a question about your playing career, kind of going in that, in that, in that same direction. Yeah, so you it, it's common knowledge to everyone that ha- follows any kind of baseball page that you did walk Barry Bonds, but if they stop and watch the with entire the bases lo- it's important you with the bases loaded, yeah. yes. <laughs> but oh, if man. you if you incorporate okay. watching the entire video of it, it was a very smart play because I mean you don't want Barry Bonds to hit that home run and the Diamondbacks won the game by a run by you know a fly out. So what do you tell people about that? whenever it gets brought up to you or it's like, Hey, aren't you the guy that walked Barry Bonds with the bases loaded? What, what do you say to those kind of people? Most of the time it's kind of one of those where somebody will bring it up and then everybody else in the crowd or the room or the conversation will go, that was you. <laughs> yes, that was me. <laughs> um, uh, you know what? The, 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 the whole story is that I came in to face him in the eighth. And he was not playing that day. So he was pinch hitting in like the seventh spot in the, in the lineup. And I was closing for the Diamondbacks. So he comes in and we're winning seven to five. And um, yeah, seven to five. And he comes in as, a, as the, you know, there's two outs and he's the tying run. And he's Barry Bonds. That, that was, you know, the beginning of his run of epic numbers and so i come in to face him and i mean honestly it, i could paint a fastball down and away on a 3-2 pitch that was the best fastball this was perfect it was it was flawless corner knees perfect and the umpire called it ball four um so i i, I get the next guy out going to the ninth one of my guys hits a home run makes it eight to five and i get the lead off out too which is funny and then i completely make a mess out of the whole game it starts to rain i start to slip i'm walking guys give up a double to jeff kent which was nothing new <laughs> and um by the time i get to my second out bonds comes up and i'm just like i'm done i am physically exhausted i'm done i'm wet it's been raining i I have nothing left and i'm standing on the mound i'm looking at him going all right i had my best stuff last inning i should have struck you out and you've seen my best stuff and now everything's astronomically worse how am i going to get you out now and i was standing on the mound kind of just going all right you know running through sequences and where to start and what to do and show walter just steps up to the dugout and puts four fingers and by that point, I, I mean, we had used our mound visit and I was physically exhausted. And I was just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and so throw the four pitches. He, you know, he walks and he stands there in the box and peels off all his stuff and beyond pisses me off. Um, and then the next guy comes up and it's Brent Main. I don't get Brent Main out at either. I mean, it, he was like four for 10 lifetime. It, it wasn't like a great matchup. And he's a lefty and, you know, kind of a high fastball, flat plane swing. And um, I get ahead quickly and I'm like, okay, let's get the punch out and, and make sure this thing's secured. And I miss on a, you know, one, two curveball, then a two, two change up, and then it's three, two. And I'm like, all right, here you go. Fastball, middle of the plate, foul ball. He fouled off five pitches. And, Every one of them, every, you know, all 12,000 people in Candlestick are going nuts. And and I'm just exhausted going, just hit it. Just hit it. Something. <laughs> hit the ball. Just hit it somewhere. I don't <laughs> care. Or I'm not walking you. I am middle plate and just throwing just 
middle of the plate. It was just hit it. And then he hits one to right field. My rookie right fielder loses in the lights for a split second and has to catch it down on a knee. And his expression walking into the, you know, hand me the baseball was just like he had a heart attack. He was about to die going if I dropped that ball. And so the rest of the story goes, I go into Showalter's office after the game and just said, hey, Buck, you know, I just heard we did something that hasn't been done in 47 years in the big leagues. Um, you know, we probably should have just talked about it. And he goes, what are you talking about? I said, I could have hit him. <laughs> I, I said, I wanted to hit him after he walked the first time and he peeled off all the stuff <laughs> and walked 90 feet to first base. I said, I could have just smoked him in the ribs. <laughs> and so Walter looks at me and goes, I didn't do that. And I was like, no, I did, but it was a couple pitches too late. And we were already. <laughs> I said, that would have been perfect. Not one person in the world would have thought a thing about it. Just like, oh, trying to go in there. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the rest of the story. That's, that is so good. Oh my God. Yeah. That, that's so on brand. I, 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 I kind of knew where that story was going. You hadn't told the full version when we were in class. You yeah. didn't tell us the after part, but as soon as you said you sat down, I was like, Oh, I knew exactly where this is going. He, he's he's going <laughs> to say you should have hit him. Yeah. I was then Buck just looks at me and goes, didn't think of that. And I was like, yeah, you know, couldn't do anything after you put four fingers up. So well, there, there's only so much you can do. Uh, yeah, that, I'm so glad you brought that up. Dylan and I were going back and forth about whether or not it was even it's something we wanted to talk about with you earlier. Oh, because... no, it's it, it's funny because we'll, um, I'll, I'll send Buck a happy anniversary text on May 27th. Good. Because it's, you know, and I, I think uh, I would have been a lot more stressed out when I, I was I was plenty stressed out as it was. But uh, I would have been a lot more stressed out if I realized 25 years later it was going to be social media fodder for three or four days every May 20. Yeah, it's like Bobby Vanilla. It's one of those baseball yeah. like live, lives on forever. Yeah, and it, it will transcend I, generations. If I would have known it that it was going to live on forever, I probably would have been a little bit more stressed out. Or, or you might have just hit him. Or I might have just hit him. That would <laughs> clearly that already went through your head one time. So that's yeah. I, one of my favorite things uh, that, that, that you do on Twitter is whenever someone does some, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, asinine antic um, in, in baseball, um, you, you inform everyone that that guy would have gotten a heater to the ear hole. Yeah. Um, it, it's it, your, your ability to be candid is, is un, uh, un, unparalleled. Uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to give you an ego either. You know, I'm the first one to dog on you when I get the chance. <laughs> well, it, uh, it's it's so uh, April 1st comes around and I'll do my unwritten rules of baseball. And at some point about five of them have, you know, the result is you get. And then I'll have a whole bunch of people going. See, that's just not right. That's barbaric of your game. I was, it was like that was the game for the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. You know, it started to change in, you know, the early 90s after Nolan Ryan left. But. I mean, I got stories of Nolan Ryan hitting guys just because they hit a home run in the first inning. That's awesome. No, he one of the last games I remember him pitching against us. I think it was '93. We were in Texas for one of the last home, you know, day games in April, and leadoff guy gets on, second guy gets on, third guy Mike Devereaux hits a bomb. We're up three nothing, nobody out. And so I'm sitting in the dugout because the, the bullpen in old Texas was like a little submarine and it was a hundred degrees already. So I wasn't going to sit down there. And um, fourth guy comes up and he hits him right in the middle of the back. First pitch, not even trying to disguise it, just whack. And our guy goes down on the knees, lost every bit of air in his lungs. It was, you know, and you're just kind of sitting there going, he did that on purpose. <laughs> We lost the game four to three. We didn't get another hit. Oh my gosh, that's incredible! Actually, yeah. So I mean, it it it, it really did work. <laughs> it was effective. It was really, effective. I mean, you know, barbaric by our standards today, but it was really effective. At I mean, at at its core, baseball is just kind of like grown men trying to smack a a spherical object with a club. So I mean, and and, and do with that information as you will. Well, we're about, we're about out of time, Greg. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on. I got one last question for you. This one's this was a layup. This one's easy. Who's a better student, me or Dylan? I thought you were Dylan. Dylan, 
sunglasses and and look like he's not paying attention you know ain't no I was, way i was so ready for greg to be like i'm not answering this and then i should have known better i really should have known better <laughs> i mean neither one of you guys were great students so you know i mean but... <laughs> we we ran that class what are you talking about <laughs> oh, you, you guys did. I, I mean it was uh that's gonna be hard to replace that class that was that was that was that was a lot of fun i, I was Show up late to every Thursday class because we were on radio. Constantly entertained. Uh, we were equally as entertained, if if not more so. So, Thank you. and we 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 really appreciate you coming on, Greg. Uh, Greg Olson, now friend of the program officially. Absolutely. And, and uh, super glad to to talk ball with you, and uh, hopefully get to talk a little more Auburn baseball coming down the road um, this year. We're uh, really looking forward to it. And uh, Daniel, make sure you take uh, if if if. Greg's teaching uh, sports announcing and take, take it with Greg. It's, it's a trip. We'll so do. Greg, we appreciate you. We're going to send it back to ourselves before we get out of here. Dylan, right. so I'll let you go and cut that one off. Great seeing you boys. Big thank you once again to Greg Olson for coming on the show. What a fun interview, great pro better ball player and just a damn good guy and a ton of fun to talk to friend of the program. Now guys, MLB uh, alumnus is now yeah. front of the program. The college group resume is looking pretty daggum solid, if you ask it gets, me. It gets better every show, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Let's do the thing where we tell people where to find us if they're clinically insane enough to go check out more of our work. And uh, you know what? We'll start with we'll start with Daniel again, per usual. Daniel, go ahead, bud. Absolutely. At Daniel J. Locke on Twitter. You can find my written work at The Observer or any Auburn student media outlet uh, tomorrow off. Uh, first alert coverage of the – beat down that very well might happen in Tuscaloosa. So yeah, follow along. Best of luck with that safe travels to T-Town. Daniel, be uh, be careful getting there. We need you back in one piece because we need you on the loop. It's all personal benefit. Nothing to do with your personal safety. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My name is Harrison Tarr. You can check out my Twitter at by Harrison Tarr. Like you're reading a byline on a newspaper. If you want to see my written work, that's at the Auburn Daily. I got your things, uh, all things, women's basketball, softball, Barbecue takes, it's that's me. I got you. Be- betting takes, don't take them from me. Take them from Lindsey Crosby. You can find uh, the rest of my, I guess, vocal work. That's a word. I'll go with this. The rest of my podcasting work at the Auburn Daily Show. That's every Wednesday and Friday. Wednesday with Dylan Lark. Friday with friend of the program, Lindsey Crosby. He's going to come back and talk baseball, I think, next week. And another friend of, soon to be friend of the program, Zach Blackerby of the Auburn Daily Show should be on later this week, if not next week. Thank you guys so much, Dylan. It's you. I know that you're going to tell everybody, hey, don't forget, we are everywhere you have your podcasts. Yes, we are. I'm Dylan Lark at your boy, The Tank, on Twitter. And you can find the College Loop wherever. That's Facebook, Instagram, not MySpace, though, but Twitter, TikTok, Amazon Music, Spotify, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts. Also find me on the Auburn Daily Show every Monday and Wednesday. And with that, it's been the College Loop Podcast.